But, you know, never put an electric device on a block of ice that has alien life form in it. It's just stupid. Yeah. This is not a dream. Not a dream. We are using your brain to make the system as a receiver. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! Tear him up! So we're back for more Carpenter. More Carpenter, and we're going to do another uh, introduction. This is always the, the most awkward part of the yeah of the thing, because we don't care about this stuff. And, yeah, uh, I don't like my but, name either. I don't like my name, and... So I'm Paul Yelovich. I'm Evan Dorkin. We hate our names. <laughs> <laughs> John Carpenter. Episode 7, John Carpenter, Part 2. It's 1986. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. 20th Century Fox presents... Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Didn't see it until many years later. Well, you know my story, right? No, I do not know your story on um, Big Trouble in I China. I wanted to see the movie. Dave and I, Dave Milcarrick and I wanted to go, and we drove to the Richmond to see it. I think it was playing right. at the Richmond or the Island. So we go to see it. Well, we're going dark. for like the 1030 show. Yeah. And they go, um, we're not showing it. What? And it's like, what do you mean? You, you're listed to have... Nobody came to the last show. <laughs> I almost spit. Are you serious? Yes. So, so why the, wouldn't they show it? We're here. Will you show it for us? No. That's bullshit. I knew it was playing in Jersey. Oh, shit. Did so you guys... I drove like a maniac, Statue of Limitations. Which maniac? Joe Spinell or uh, the new kid? I'll go with Joe Spinell. Good man. And then we get there, and I loved it. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. I love the movie. I, sure. I, I've always loved martial arts films, right. as we right. know. I wanted to see it. I remember wanting to see it because the ads were like, this is like right up my alley. There's fighting. There's martial arts action. There's magic. There's monsters. Yeah. And I just never got around to seeing it. It's pulp. It's got everything. I didn't know it was supposed to be funny. Right. And it's... Might have been what turns a lot of people I'm off. I'm wondering. Well, I think a lot of people didn't like seeing Kurt Russell as an idiot. Yeah. He's because great. it turns out he's an idiot. Oh, he's terrible. He, he doesn't accomplish a lot. He needs help to accomplish a lot of it, and he would have been killed if there weren't other characters right. there. One thing I do want to talk about this film is I have not looked it up, but I know there are people who don't like the film because of its portrayals of Chinese people. Now, I knew uh, Lo Pan was a Yellow Menace thing, and right. I was like, I, I'd have to look it up because I'm not really quite sure what the reputation, I guess is what I'm saying, is as this being a stereotypical movie. For its portrayal of Asian tropes. I know that there's people who don't like the, you know... So I can understand that there's probably a lot of people who thought this movie was actually progressive when it came out, but weren't catching the fact that there was a lot of shit that would make you grit your teeth if you were Asian. I'm a white guy, you know what I mean? So I just thought that, oh, wow, there's guys in suits and there's guys who have, you know what I mean? It's just a regular town. They love each other. They're all friends. That's probably not enough. So I'm not sure how the film plays out. There's right. a lot of yellow peril. There's a lot of sex, Rome, or Fu Manchu shit going on there. Women are, you know, captured to be married and this and that. And there's a lot. So I would concede anything anybody had to say about the movie. As a, as a machine, as an action piece, I really like it a lot. I mean, you and I were getting off on the fact that they've got James Hong in there. The, the, the Storms, who are just like a perfect representation of superpowered. And even now, I think about, well, Carter Wong's in it. That was who I was trying to figure out. You yeah, know, the Car fact that they went and got Carter Wong. And, and, is just, but the, and the thing is, like James James Wong obviously loves the movie, but I'm not going to argue. Well, James Wong dressed dressed up as Lo Pan for conventions, and he really loved it. Right. I want to acknowledge that it's a problematic movie. I don't want a special plea for the movie, but I think it's a well made movie as a movie as it stands. Right. I it's, it's I guess I'm having problems talking about a movie that has problems of that nature. It's much easier to talk about script problems than it is to talk about representation. Well, and I think I'm feeling guilty, maybe. Does that make sense? Because I really like Big Trouble in Little China, and right. I feel bad that it offends people. Uh, I think the movie's got a fucking great attitude as far as its inner workings go. It is a funny, 
pulp adventure that takes the piss out of the male, out of the white male savior. It's got a lot of j- intentional jokes that work. Cool monsters and crazy. Dis- I mean, it basically is. It's a kitchen sink film, and I love that approach. People talk like pulp characters. Sure, sure. The sure. banter is very. The banter is. It's yes. Kim it, Cattrall's character is. It's a Hawks character, and uh, uh, I always think of this film in terms of Buckaroo Banzai. Right. And it's funny because there are two movies that can bewilder you slightly because Buckaroo Banzai has a ton of characters and some weird concepts that they don't tell you up front. And then they dole it out, and they're very aware of it. And sure, the second time you watch it, you get it. But the first time, I don't know anybody who watches Buckaroo Banzai and doesn't miss something. But I think the ultimate problem with Buckaroo Banzai is I would rather see a different story with those characters than the one I see in the movie. I've always seen these two movies as having very similar problems and structures and faults. But I think over time, Buckaroo Banzai is a movie that I've liked less every time I've watched it. And Big Trouble in Little China is a film I've liked more every time I've watched it. Uh, satisfying beginning, middle, and end. It's not trying to be as wink-wink clever. The weird thing about Big Trouble is, even though it's a, a martial arts movie, the, the martial arts isn't really that good the at martial arts is not very good at all, no. It's not a movie it's I It's a wa- weird thing. It's not a movie I watch for the action. Well, because it was made in America. Right. Remember, a year later, they make a Chinese ghost story. Yeah. So compare Which, those two I mean, movies. Can you, I, there, is not a mo- there is not one cool move done by an actor in, in full frame. It's a lot of cause and effect. Right. The most fun scenes are like where Dennis Dunn is flying in the air yeah. against the uh, the other guy, but you can't see them in the same shot mostly. There's some background guys doing some interesting work, but Kurt Russell doesn't even fight. I do think that in the end of the movie, they make some, uh, you know, again, we're talking mechanics. They, they, they make some mistakes by pressing on the, the satire, the parody pedal a little too hard with Jack's character. Not allowing him to be part of the end fight in a real way. My biggest problem, if you see it as an adventure movie, very disappointing how the Storms and Lopan die. Some of them are funny, but they've pulled the rug out from under you three times in a row. Jack doesn't get to be in the big fight. The coolest Storm, how are they going to kill this guy? It's a joke. Carter Wong, it feels like, oh, the movie's got to end. I got to go. And then Lopan is killed on a joke. Four joke killings in a row is three too many. Look, if you went to the movie thinking it was a martial arts film, something gonna, like The Last Dragon, it isn't. People, yeah, a lot of people are going to be disappointed with it not being a, a Bruce, an American Bruce Lee right. or The Protector. Right. If you thought it was going to be... A monster movie, it's not really a monster, a monster movie. movie. If you thought it was going to be a magic movie, it's kind if of... If you think it's going to be an action film and you don't like comedy in your action, yeah. you're going to get... Because it's very over right. the top with the action. In 1977... Voyager 2 was launched into space to the outermost regions of the universe. It carried an invitation in all languages for alien life forms to visit our planet. Someone, somewhere, listened. It's 1984, Evan. Dun dun. It's 1984. Starman. Oh, right, right. Starman. I like Starman. Starman's a perfectly fine, forgettable film. Yeah. I saw it twice when it came out. To me, Starman is the better E.T. Uh, it doesn't have a monster in it. It's a, it's a perfectly likable, dull, close encounters. It's big. It doesn't feel like a Carpenter film on the whole. No. But it's... it shows that he can work with actors who are not running away from something all the time. And it does feel expansive. There is a budget there. A lot of that might have to do with whoever was doing cinematography, but there was money in that film. Yeah, and I think the Who's chemistry it? works. It's, is it Karen Allen? It's Karen Allen. It's Jeff Bridges. When it's not Kurt Russell, it's Jeff Bridges. I, I like Jeff Bridges. I like Karen Allen. Yeah. I don't remember the movie very well. I remember shots of helicopters and, and that it's very, you know, he's a fugitive because, you know, instead of being a cute alien, he's uh, a capable... I don't know what to do. He's a capable alien and... Um, I don't know anybody who has anything really terrible to say about Starman. It's 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 a mediocre film. It's Spielbergian. Yeah, it's very yeah. It, it's like you know, this is what Ron Howard's gonna be doing. Right. It is what it is. It it's is what passable. It is. Yeah. I don't have any desire to see it again. No. I just got my license. Start her up. Her name's Christine. I like that. 1983. Oh, shit. Christine. I think it's his most impersonal, but I think it looks like a a Carpenter film in a lot of ways. It's smaller. The way he uses uh, widescreen, the way he sets up his shots. See, to me, Starman, anybody could have made that. Just looking at it visually, it does not feel like Carpenter to me. Whereas Christine feels like a Carpenter film. 
Christine is such a weird movie. Very I'll, unexciting. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Very professional. I wouldn't want to say I if I liked it or not without rewatching it because it's been so long. I've seen it twice because, well, again, back then I would see almost everything twice. Christine's the first movie of his I remember watching and having problems with while watching it. It was a time where I was starting, I guess, go, go into movies and start getting picky about them even while watching them. Like, I remember going, why did they hire a guy that looked like John Travolta so much? There are just too many fucking scenes that look like I'm watching Carrie remake with this dude. Plus, well, I mean, everybody's 35. This guy looked much older. Well, if it's not his mo a Hollywood film, does it feel his most De Palma film? It feels his it. most trying to do something that might sell. Yeah. The problem with Christine is it's just, it's just nothing. There's not enough Carpenter in it. A movie about a car that kills people. They don't work. Is there a good one? They keep trying because it's a gimmick people really, really like, and it's a special effect that's not super expensive. I like Killdozer. Killdozer isn't a car, though. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's so not a... Literally, you're talking about like a... Killer car movie. The hearse. The, the car. car. Um, I'm sure there's others. They're just not fucking scary. The intent of the Crash. driver... And do Have you watched Crash? What's Crash? Watch Crash. Crash. Death is in the driver's seat. Some things don't translate the film. I, Christine, if I had to make a movie of Christine or Cujo, I'd want to slit my throat. I think Cujo's terrible. And I think Christine is not good. Christine is better when you're not seeing the car. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. It's 1982. The Thing. Ugh. The Thing. I had no idea until fairly recently that The Thing was a commercial flop. I'm hoping that I could find a clip Siskel and Ebert, because I feel that like they kind of yeah. hated they it. They hated The Thing. I wish this movie were less ugly than it is, because in terms of storytelling and suspense, and that subtext of suspicion of one's fellow man, this is actually a very well-made movie. But at regular intervals, no doubt about it, it does gross one out. So, a mixed review for the thing for me. I'm going to recommend it, but serve notice that a lot of people who see it will be made sick by it. I think that's probably an understatement. I would call this the barf bag movie of July. I have some problems with it. There was The big thing was it was gross. It was just disgusting. Right. I remember that being thrown so around. So people were actually revolted by the movie. You know, you have the, a beloved classic. A classic film, yeah. But yet... It's not... It doesn't have to replace it. It doesn't. I've never understood... I've, I've had arguments with people. I remember back... I thought, why can't... I would love to watch both in a row. They're very, very different films. They're from extremely different periods of, of time. They have different approaches. One of them doesn't have an effects budget and goes a certain way. The other one can take the original story and go with it more. Right. I think they're both great for what they are. Carpenter's movie is incredibly close to the... To the original no, story. It's actually is, closer to the original story than right. the first one, yeah. Who Goes There by John W. Campbell? Yes. Right. I think the novella is brilliant. I love it. Uh, you it's know, paranoid. It's good. Stays fresh. I've read it a bunch of times. I think the film is a good yeah. adaptation of that. And it hits the Lovecraftian elements harder. Because of the visuals. Because of the visuals and, and the sense of doom. It's a tension-filled movie. Claustrophobic. It's Assault on Precinct 13 with this... Invasion shape, of bodies. With, with this shape-changing monster. But they take it the step further. Like the story, the monster can take over people. You don't know where the monster is. It's not a guy running around in a suit like in the original. It's anywhere. It's fucking... But seeing it in the theater when it came out... My friends and I were basically just saying holy shit a lot and nothing else. So it starts in like a, a Scandinavian a, camp. Yeah, there's, I think it's the Norwegian. Because you know, it starts, you don't know what's going on. It starts off in another camp that's been right. wrecked. And th there's a dog being chased by a helicopter. And they're shooting at the dog. Right off the bat, you're thrown. The dog is basically carrying the thing in him. He's right. the thing. It's a bizarre scene. So it's one of their sled dogs. One of the Norwegian sled dogs makes its way safely to an American camp. And the scene is jarring because you are not told anything. And the fact that what you have is you have the dog that runs from the Norwegian camp is then brought into the American camp. And then American... And you love this dog because right. he's a dog. The American... And he's being shot at. So right. yeah. 
Americans then go to the Norwegian camp and see that right. some shit's gone on, yeah. and they get some video of, of them finding a saucer. Always fun, right? Here's the finding... thing. Once you realize what's going on, you already realize the American camp is fucked. It's, it's terrific. While we followed these characters for exposition... Yeah, they let the vampire in. Yeah. And it is a... Just off the bat, right. this film works beautifully. I don't know how you... It looks great. Well, the practical effects are, you know, been talked about to death. So the first thing we get in the practical effects is that the dog's in the cage, right? I believe so. And that scene killed me. And, and it, effects you've never seen before. I mean, effects, this was just And it isn't one the thing. Top. It isn't no, one monster. You, it's, you can't pin it down. Because it just, To me, it's the only movie that actually approaches the Lovecraft thing of not unnameable, but hard to describe because it keeps changing form within scenes. It doesn't just become, hey, now it's a, claw, a crab monster. Now it's a guy in a suit monster. Now it's a scorpion. It's hard to describe what the fucking thing is at the beginning. In a lot of the scenes, because it's never a resolute shape. It adapts different forms at the same time. What we also learn is that the thing isn't one creature. Right. It's multiplying through other people. I mean, it's really... I don't... They must have had names for all these things. But except for the spider creature with the head and the one that flips up onto the ceiling, which is humanoid, it's really hard to objectify these things. That's what's fantastic about it. Yeah. I mean, they did a lot of things that now they would do with CGI. The movie goes on from there. There's what? There's like 14 men at this Arctic base. Richard Masur is the dog handler, I think. Kurt Russell, Keith David, Richard Masur. Everybody's good. Oh. Everybody is terrific at this. People who are not in it long, they're all good at it. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Is... I did not remember he was in it when we saw it again at uh, Exhumed, I think. Yeah. And I was like, he's fucking terrific for this. Well, anyway, the dog is the thing. Yes. And the dog attacks the other dogs they they play around so that you don't know who's who and then from that moment on you never know who's who's infected right who's been taken over by the thing and of course man is still the greatest enemy really right i mean when you get down to it right well that was a bad enemy the thing well you know what i mean no the thing was a bad enemy but the, you know people always fuck around with each other and oh yeah get paranoid and get crazy and start hammering and yelling that <laughs> both in brimley in his shack is is terrific Okay, Blair. Come on, man. You don't want to hurt anybody. I'll kill you. He is so fucking funny in that. But you like everybody and you feel bad for everybody, pretty much, because they're all fucked. They're a great group of kind of goofy guys who... Yeah, it's aren't it's, equipped for this, and they're not know. they're not clever in the way that the Hawks characters are. And they're not but they're, ham- they're no, not handsome. That was that was something that I thought was really cool too. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's two uh, black guys in the group. There's some older guys, I and mean, it's a really interesting mix. Oh, Donald Moffat. You get Donald Moffat in there, who, as a geek, I knew from the Logan's Run TV show as an <laughs> android. The couch scene is is from beginning to end one of the best scenes in a horror movie ever. It's a roller coaster because it. When you think the scene is over, the scene is not over, and then you think it's over, it's not over. But it's not done in the way, it's not done in the multiple endings that you have when Jason or Michael Myers is knocked down and gets up and you have to use a bigger knife to get up. It's not that kind of multiple climax. This connected scenes where the logic and the goal changes, and it's fucking ridiculous. That scene was a barn burner. Yeah, That scene just... I, w- I remember watching that the first time, and, and I, it was one of the first times that I watched the movie, and I remembered I couldn't believe how scared I was and how exciting and thrilling it was, because has there ever been a scene like that? I don't think before? so. Before? Mm-hmm. It might not be one afterwards. Right. Whether you like it or not, it's the first time you ever saw something that just completely upended your expectations from a horror movie. It, pff, that scene's just amazing. Right. It's also, it's also one of the most quotable horror films you could think it's of. It's very quotable. It's, it's very a cool. lot of There's really a lot great of good lines. stuff in there, and they're not straight out jokes. No, you know, a lot of them are just men under pressure, and they say crazy shit, yeah. or they do crazy shit. Um, Kurt Russell's terrific in it, right? And almost he, unrecognizable. Almost unrecognizable. A fantastic look for a character too. I mean, he just—if you're a screenwriter or a filmmaker, every character is art directed in a unique way. You can remember what they look like. Two things are going on. One, their outfits 
describe their character, which is important. But for some fucking reason, filmmakers don't get it. <laughs> they want they want the people in cool outfits, looking cool, even if these are characters who had who, who should not be looking like you know. I'm wearing Alexander McQueen right. because they wanted me to look cool. Yeah, when two guys fight each other in black suits, it's not a good idea. Oh, oh, what a hundred! Yeah, <laughs> um, and it sounds like well, shit. That's a given, right? No, it's not a given. How often do you watch a movie and you, who's that? Right. Because they're all wearing the same outfit, or mm. they're it's sh- it's badly shot. But this movie has terrific casting. They're not only wearing outfits that tell you about their position, their hierarchy on the ladder, but about their character. Most of the characters are not wearing. Their military outfits, or, their, or any kind of scientific outfits. Donald Moffat, the tight ass, is nobody makes a joke about it or anything. But you know, right off the bat, tight ass guy. He's our serious guy. But he plays. A, they, it's brilliant because they play around with that and let these guys have jokes too. Right. There's fun. Moffat has one of the best fucking joke lines in it, and you don't like his character that much. You know, you need to know who they are supposed to be, and beautifully laid out between uh, casting costuming and framing right each character is a character yeah they don't all have arcs some of they, them don't like to talk a lot yeah. some of them talk like crazy no they don't have arcs but but you get to know their personality they're, they're individuals they chop you in without giving them you know you can't give them too many ticks they have to do everything really quick visually and character wise and they do it they do it through dialogue they do it through acting they do it through um, uh, again blocking and the sets are terrific. They're claustrophobic. They look functional. As far as I don't, I don't know anything about Arctic, yeah. but the thing is, they, they look warm. But these guys have to move around junk a lot. They have to move shit out of the way a lot. They, I mean, it looks lived in. You know, I bought it. I bought the whole fucking yeah. thing, and I, and they can't leave. Right. They cannot leave. And and, and you don't want to get out. Maybe <laughs> you know that's right. the whole. That's it's a it's a great Sophie's choice. Do I save myself? If you even know you're yourself. I think The Thing is his best movie. I think The Thing is his best put together, best, most effective, most enjoyable. I think The Thing is his major, major film achievement. It's just so fucking good. Now, obviously, from the source material, we could get a sense that Campbell must have been influenced by Lovecraft. Hell but yeah. this is yeah. one of the most Lovecraftian movies ever. Without ever saying, here's the old ones, or Lovecraft Hospital... Yeah, Lovecraft Funeral Home, <laughs> Arkham Engineering, you know, that bullshit. Yeah, at the uh, mouth of Meatloaf. I didn't get it when I first saw the thing. I was not as heavy into, you know, I hadn't read a lot, as much at Lovecraft. I hadn't probably read any of the other writers uh, working in Love, Lovecraft Country at that point or knew stuff about the, the mythos. But yeah, I mean, Paranoia, The Fear of the Other... Well, you, um, the, 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 the something comes from outer space and replaces replaces us um, the fact that the idea that humans are can't survive well, really, and does it matter if they do when you look at the, the thing the thing is not really is the thing evil it's just reproducing it's right. just surviving I mean it's not eating the, it's not it, see, that's what's interesting in the first one he's killing people for blood he's a guy in a suit so you're thinking of it in humanoid terms human terms you know, maybe he could ask, or I'll give me blood, or I'll bend you in half in the in the nursery and hang you <laughs> from something. But here you have absolutely no. There's no meeting. The the Lovecraft comparisons. You think the the practical effects? Those creatures. They remind me yes. of stuff that when yeah. I was a kid, seeing things that were Lovecraft. They're utterly they're utterly alien. The ropeyness to the tendrils are amazing. The, the, the stereotype of of, of tentacles. You know, which is a joke of itself. That's like, you know, now it's lovable almost. Here's the tentacle. Let's get the tentacles out of the way. We're doing Lovecraft. They don't actually do that. These aren't octopoid. These aren't squid tentacles. They're ropey, rubbery, shorter. And they're always moving. And you don't know what their function is necessarily. But it's an incredible concept uh, for Campbell, even if it comes from other things. Putting it together where it basically absorbs the information and physical forms right. it can it can it's a it's a it's a shoggoth i guess right well I when you feel think like about you it get, it is a shoggoth right. i feel like you could throw in it's in the uh it's the mountains of madness it's shadow out of time it's a little thing on the doorstep yeah. it's a little yeah. uh there is a yeah charles dexter ward in in body sure stuff it's uh, salts yeah <laughs> and it's a shoggoth 
if you think about it, I mean, in basic terms, it can become anything it wants to be that, that it's encountered. I always assumed that, you know, if the thing created this big mouth and teeth, that it did it because that was convenient for what it wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Or and it had, it had absorbed something like that. Or did and in that's space. the other thing when it when the crab legs. These are supposedly things, things that. Yeah. You gotta be fucking kidding. That entire scene with oh. uh, Richard is it Richard Dysart? These are not the most beautiful people on earth. Kurt Russell and Keith David are attractive guys. There is, you know what I mean? But they are not. Uh, this is not a parade of Hollywood uh, handsome hunks. And the guy who has the heart attack is a very plain-looking character. So one, that throws you off that you're going to see anything scary out of him. They are so aware of what audiences expect, but not doing a a wink at them. They are they're keeping their hand close. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. going. The chubby guy is going to have a heart attack. Two things happen with that. One, he looks like a goofy guy. I'm not, you're not scared of the goofy guy. Even though you've been set up to be paranoid about everybody, it's hard to take the goofy guy with his sweater and his weird hair. Right. He has a, and then he has a heart attack. An incredibly human, vulnerable thing. Nobody was expecting him to be the thing. Okay, maybe somebody was. I wasn't. <laughs> Most people weren't. And definitely and not And nobody that way. expected to, them to reveal it, A, that quickly... B, it just punches you in the face. Yeah. But when he has the heart attack, it's a really human moment. It's a really, it's, it's a believable moment. He's overweight. This shit's scary. Why wouldn't anybody have a goddamn heart attack from seeing this thing? It's a sanity role if you're playing Call of Cthulhu. He, he blew his constitution role. He's down. So it's a really good thing. It also shows the men at work. It shows them trying to save his life. It's a moment of, of, of released tension. You think it's a downward yeah, trend because they're all together fighting they're That's all together them. and then they are all in that room and you figure you're safe they're safe and they fucking pull it out of the hat it's a be- it's a fantastic sequence even if you think something's going to happen it's not the way that you think it's going to happen just fantastic right. idea and done beautifully in the practical effects and they don't just do that though it gets crazier right they up the stakes in every scene and then there's your tension is still in a scene that's disgusting. Your joke is still in a scene that's disgusting. Right. It's very hard to guess every scene in this movie. And most movies, you, most movies you don't even have to guess. They telegraph everything. You see that knife on the wall? <laughs> okay. For a movie about a monster chasing a bunch of guys around a bunch of sets, it's the king. You know, unless there's something I haven't seen because I haven't seen a lot of films in the last 15 years because I suck. But, hey, I didn't see Suspiria until like a few months ago. It's it's the fucking it's the Halloween of monster movies for me. I think it's also one of those movies where there's so little geography and there's not a ton of characters and yet it's so rich. Yeah, there's so much to look at and to think about. If this, if for some reason you haven't seen this movie, yeah, just see it. We should actually say the thing is a movie where it's worth seeing even if you know a little bit about it. But you should definitely watch it. Right, and if then you, after if you, you, I like the movie enough that I feel like I'm talking about it for the first time each right. time. I and, love it. And after you watch the I movie, gotta... read the novella. New York, 1997. The entire city is a walled maximum security prison. The bridges are mined. The rivers are patrolled. And the United States Police Force has everything under control. It's 1981. Escape from New York. I like it. I loved it when it came out. And I like it. I don't think it dated well at all. I don't, it's better I, than Escape from L.A. I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's, it's a mess. Got, I think it's got great characters. Oh, no. And great yeah. design. I think it's got a lot of great parts. Like... I, it's, but it's. I want to see the future adventures of Snake Plissken. I do, I do. Not an Escape from L.A. I want to see John Woo maybe do some of it back in the day or something or something. I want to see you know, yeah. It just. It's not a horror movie. No. Although it has a bunch of horror sequences. The 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 people in the sewers who who I guess give up. Then you never see them. Like we got a woman. Ah, we're done. We don't need to be, you know, the whole island's affected by this stuff. We'll just stay down here. There's a Jack Kirby little monsters coming out. But they throw in so much and their reach exceeds their grasp in that movie. So you get a lot of these 
patent carpenter shots that are horror setups, but it's just Snake Plissken turning around. You know what I mean? You get a lot of these things like, I'm breathing hard, and I've got my little machine gun, and i got my shirt off, and my eye patch, and there's black behind me. And that's because we can't show the city. I, when I saw it, it was a great ride. Yeah. It aged almost two weeks later because yeah. of the computer graphics, and it feels claustrophobic. Yet it takes place in all of New. It's supposed well, to take place in all of New York. Well, that's the problem. It's set bound and claustrophobic. It feels so. You know, small town in Halloween, precinct in precinct thirteen, Arctic. little town in the fog. Now it Arctic should work. Some... It should work because it's a carpenter specialty. They're still trapped. But it's but they're trapped in New York City. They're trapped in New York City, and they don't have with the a money. lot of places to hide. It does have the countdown? The screen, screenwriter. Yeah. You love the countdown. The countdown tells you the goal, and it has intrigue because the fate of the world so you not only have it, it has the carpenter stuff it has the build it has building on what came before it raising the stakes goals are laid out character driven it feels like nobody cares the set the, the film feels like there's only a hundred people in new york right so they didn't really need new york it could have been escape from staten island yeah could have the purge or something yeah, yeah. well <laughs> The film has a lot of scenes where somebody shoots. A, also, it's the, it's very action oriented, and I think it shows it shows his his, of, his yeah. weakness. There's a lot of scenes where somebody Snake Plissken will shoot a gun, da, 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 da. and then there's a beat while he like turns or something. It's not, it doesn't flow. There's not a good flow of action. A lot of glance object type fighting, like in old movies. Cowboy shoots, hits the bad guy. Cut 180 to the person falling off the horse. So uh, if you've listened to the other episode, you know we hate Escape from L.A. Yeah, I actually phys- I really I, fucking hate and it. And we don't really love I don't love Escape from, L- from New York, and Escape from New York was a film that I loved when it came out. That's the thing that's fascinating to me. I think that's the biggest drop in my reaction. Your first viewing to my second? My first viewing to second to, I think I've seen it five times. Mm. I like the characters, and I think a lot of the things landed, and I think it was, a, it was so much a movie of its time, mm. you know? But, but later on, it's just like you start watching it and you start going, "Why is there? Yeah. Why is the guy in the car? Why doesn't? Why doesn't? Why is it, it's just a gimmick." I hate Cabby. Cabby Cab- drives me crazy. Cabby, Cabby is uh... bad neighborhood snake. You don't want to be walking from the Bowery to Forty Second Street at night. <laughs> I've been driving a cab here for thirty years, and I'm telling you, you don't walk around here at night. <laughs> yes, sir. It'll kill you, strip you in ten seconds flat. Not that good. Snake. Yeah. The movie has a lot of problems. The movie has a lot of problems in the script, but they were into, they were into it. You can see that they were into it. Everybody seems to be having a good time. Yeah. When I saw it, I wanted to see it again. I found it. I found that his horror touches made the movie much creepier than an action. It's really an action movie, but you think of it as a horror movie in some ways. They also pushed it as a horror movie, which was maybe a mistake for some people because they they were they were always showing that character Romero. They were always yes. showing some of the guys who were either a little mutated. He had the he was a great looking character. He right. basically looked like Danny Elfman, but he's got the cramps t shirt hair, right. and he's got chiseled file jaws teeth, and he's got weird eyes, and he looks really cool. And he's in the movie for about he's back. He he shows up at one scene in the beginning, says some pretty funny stuff about the president being he dies if you you know you know, right. and then he disappears. Then he turns to Boba Fett. Yeah, he is the Boba Fett of this movie. He is the, he is a Blue Balls character. Nobody really works. Uh, the Duke of New York really doesn't show up. It's got enough aspects of an old movie, but it doesn't play out all the way like an old movie. It's got a punk aesthetic here, but then it's got like a, a metal thing going there. Then it's got rest. It's, it's a hodgepodge of things that don't mesh together, and you don't believe... I don't believe the world. I didn't even believe the world when I was seeing it for the first time, but I was so swept up in the, in the violence. It just plods along, and now each thing. When I watched it as a kid, each thing was exciting and new to see. But then, you know, you realize it's like it's Wizard of Oz without any cohesion. You know, okay, we see this, we see that, and then at the end, it's just that was really yeah the set a mess. The thing and is, the sets fail. You could probably plug in little set pieces all along sure. the way and make this sure. really interesting. Sure, but the whole thing feels like it takes place on two blocks. Yeah, I mean, it feels it's like they live, except there's more money and there's more junk. When I was 16, this was really exciting. And I think the I think I honestly think one of the reasons so many people want to see more Snake Plissken is one, he's a good character and two. You get down to it, it's like a roll it's like rollerball. 
the game seems interesting. I wish there was a good movie. Right. Yeah. And in this one, the character is really interesting and a, and a concept is interesting. And also the ending just doesn't pay off. I mean, it makes sense. Get to the bridges, this and that. Think about action movies. I think about set pieces. Two people fighting. And not just, not just Hong Kong. I mean, lots of things going on. A James Bond fight scene or whatever the fuck. And I think of Escape from New York. I think of a gu- somebody with a submachine gun tight on their chest and they're shooting it off screen with a black background that's not exciting and that's i don't believe the world as it looks and i don't believe the world as it as it plays out i i don't think it i think if it had more money and it looked bigger yeah. and it looked like new york it would still have failed in the sense that what snake Plissken has to do to unlock his achievements are not <laughs> that interesting yeah none of them are yeah. that interesting yeah it's not like die hard or, or it's not a good machine from the creator of Halloween, the ultimate experience in terror and suspense. John Carpenter's The Fog, starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Houseman, Janet Lee as Kathy Williams, and Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. The Fog. What you can't see won't hurt you. It will kill you. Hey, Evan, it's, it's 1980. You know what hey, that fall. means? Hey, Fall, yeah, I think I do know what it means. It's the fucking fog. I'm going to see the fog, man. Stay away from the fog. The I fog stinks. Oh, I like the fog. When the fog came out, again, I went to see it, and we walked there, me, Rob Beck, Ronnie Camacho, I'm not sure. I think Pete Farrell might have been with us, and we walk, and we loved it. Because it's... It's certainly... You know what I mean? It was better than the Boogans. It was better than uh, Fade to Black. And all the, a lot of other movies. Sure, that those, well, Fate to Back's a terrible movie. Yeah, it's better than the average movie. It's not good. I couldn't believe how boring it was. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly boring. I've seen it maybe three, four times, and it's like, I still can't remember scenes from it. Look, after seeing Halloween, the fog... It's a bloated a, version of Halloween. It's so disappointing. It is. I, I read an interview with Carpenter about what he's doing now. What, you know, I was just curious. And um, the fog was... He recut it. He wasn't happy with it. And I haven't heard that about his other films. And you hear that about a lot of films that have fallen apart or, you know, a lot of horror movies also get recut because they want more blood, they want more sex. Uh, I, I don't know where he cut it because, or how he cut it. I'm curious because the movie just doesn't work. I just, it just I love the setup. I love that it's a, he just wanted to make a ghost movie and here's John Houseman giving you a ghost movie. And it doesn't feel like a ghost story in a lot of ways. It doesn't have the, it's not creepy. It's cre- I like the uh, opening sequence with the, fo- with the fog yeah. and things sort of happening. Now, when we saw it, we were terrified. We found it super, super scary. It was funny. When we walked home, because we're Staten Island, it was foggy as hell in our neighborhood when we back to it. So we were really giving oh. Ronnie Camacho, who was like two years younger than us, we were really ripping on him. It was like the beginning of a bad horror movie, you know? I have great experiences of seeing that movie for the first time, walking home with friends when the fog rolled in. Mm-hmm. We, we were having fun, stupid kid time. But, and I've seen the movie, a few, I saw it a few times afterwards, but seeing it, yeah, seeing it at the horror, we were all, the whole audience was really flat. I love when the fog's rolling in. It's cool. Fog's a good creepy visual. They don't do what Mario Bava does with fog, though. There's a story in the fog, with the fog. This is just, it, somehow they didn't make pirates with hooks and harpoons Dead pirate, zombie pirate, dead undead pirates in the fog coming and getting you, and their ghost story. They didn't make it iconic at all. I mean, did you see it when it came out? No, this was one of the things I saw later on uh, on videotape, and it, I can see that being a disappointment. But yeah, I, I I remember again somehow he makes a town feel claustrophobic, but not in a good way, in a cheap way, a small way. From what I remember, the movie feels like three groups of people who don't really have anything to do with each other for most of the movie encountering the fog a big scene being an old lady opens up a door and she gets the, the fog the fog fucks and her. i think a pirate came and got her now also even as a kid i was even when i was younger i was just like would you leave your door open in this would you open your door it's a quaint old town there's a lot of dumb stuff in it but it doesn't feel like a quaint do you get a sense of that town no i know that there's some cliffs some nice shots of that she's a dj in a in a lighthouse. Lighthouse, because that's what the, you know, a Scott's Yeah, you, you, you broadcast from the lighthouse. That's a movie that you forget Jamie Lee Curtis is in. Yeah, she how do you, some, how do, you do that? You right. know what I mean? She, was she in it for a favor? I mean, I, I, you forget that um, from uh, Halloween 3? Yeah. Who's, and the, this guy loves getting young girls. Oh, he shit. He, he has one of the biggest breaks in movies. 
He, but the, he knows it. I, I, I looked up Night of the Creeps or something like that. He's still around. He does conventions and stuff. And he said that he was laughing his ass off when they showed one of his movies because he's like, how the hell did they... He Tom couldn't, Atkins. Tom Atkins. I like him, but I, could, I never yeah, could believe no that he would get the girl in these movies. No way. But I didn't, you don't remember who's in the movie except for... Hal Holbrook uh, is a very sad priest. Adrian Barbeau is in it. And nothing seems to happen. It doesn't, yeah. feel, like a, it doesn't feel like a traditional ghost story. It's not a William Hope Hodgson pirate thing, you know? There's only one scene that takes place on the sea, and it feels like it takes place on a set. Because it does. Yeah. The scene where the guys are on the boat. Yeah. It's the only scene that has some good creeps to it, but it's so phony. The design of the pirates is terrible. Terrible, yeah. It doesn't yeah. look good. It's not iconic. It's not memorable. Yeah. Yeah. I, really, it's a movie about a bunch of hooks and implements that come out of the fog. Right. I think because they probably realized that if you actually saw pirates... Yeah. They're just guys in fucking, you know, you go to the, the Spirit of Halloween store and you look like a jackass with some blood thrown on you and you get the hooks. And you, and of course, famously from what I always remember is you always hate the fact that you feel that the rules of the movie oh, well, I hate the are ending. broken. I hate the fucking the end. ending. I mean, and I'm trying not to say hate a lot, blah, 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 but I think that's a fundamental disconnect from this story and I think it's a cheat for the audience. They couldn't figure out the Carpenter ending, so you get... They're a version of a carpet ending which is incredibly unsatisfying and a cheat and cheap. Yeah. They're not dead. It's a bad slasher film. That's what it, it is. It is a bad it's, it's a, a slasher film where you're not, the slasher can't come near anybody. It's a slasher <laughs> film about, a, you know, a, if a slasher had a smoke machine, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you always were able to stay just out of arm's reach of the smoke machine unless you're a grandma or a dummy on a boat <laughs> set. And they go, here, here's your gold thing. I've got it. There's a terrible special effect because the 80s couldn't stay away from doing animate, you know. Yeah. And they go, wow, that's cool. And and they go, well, that's a candy-ass ending and we need a better ending. So the fog is back, even though we fulfilled the criteria of the ghost story. Yeah, it's obviously a film that has to be an atmospheric film. You're in the fog. So yeah. how is that going to be interesting? The kills have to be interesting. The visuals have to be interesting. Nothing's interesting. It's dull. So we're done with the fog, yeah. Yeah, I wish it was better. Because it's funny, I, I even wish it was better more now because I have fondness for going to see it and coming back with my friends and just the day. Yeah. It's one of those child... I had a great childhood memory. It was just a, a good... It was just one of those days where you and your friends were the whole world and... You weren't thinking about tomorrow. Halloween night. A small American town. Michael? Hey, Evan. It's, it's 1978. Halloween. I, I love Halloween. I know, one, Halloween was your movie. If you know what I mean. I love you know Halloween. how everybody has a movie they champion in a group? The thing about Halloween is that we all have stories because it's growing up and it's a movie that kind of, a movie that hit the way a band hits. We go, have you seen this? Have you? I, I love I, it. I love it. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. We're probably like the 800th podcast where you just heard, I love it. Well, the, the thing <laughs> yeah. is, I would argue it is my favorite Carpenter film. Sure. Hands down. I know, I know. Even, even more than The Thing, I, I would argue maybe incorrectly that it's better than the thing but that's fine it's a different movie yeah i watch it probably once a year yeah and i always watch the version that has the tv stuff put in it huh. i have seen that i so, haven't seen it in a long time because here's the now, thing what, what's the story with that they're going to show halloween on tv it's going to be i believe it's nbc i think it's 1980 it premieres it's a fairly big deal. That's where I see it. That's the same way. I thought you saw it in the movies. No. I did not no. see it in the movies. I, I saw it on TV. I loved it. The thing did it is, scare you? It scared the living shit out of scared me. scared the shit out of me. The movie's going to be on TV. They cut things for they TV. They shoot new stuff? Yes. To make up the running time? They I think Jamie Lee Curtis had to come back or something like they that. You, they were filming Halloween 2 at the time. Mm. So they had they went in and used that crew. Because before this, if you see the theatrical mm. uh, cut... There is no mention of Laurie being related to Michael Myers. You know, we see the sister written on the door, and we, right, he goes I back re- to the asylum. Right, right. That that's the version I prefer for some reason. Yeah, yeah. a little yeah. more story, a little more yeah. uh, legend. Remember when you said you He's left the fog? 
Yeah. And it was, and there was fog, and it scared you. Yeah. Imagine leaving Halloween, walking and outside in William the dark, the mask. and going, <laughs> wait, this guy walked, wait, that's creepy. Yeah. He's, he's out there outside. right now. He's out there. You know, if you're young enough, that's the way your brain kind of it tricks terrifying. you. It's like, you know, the, the tingler is in the theater. Okay. And I can see people having a negative reaction to that ending, though. Because people like endings. Other than his driving and the fact that he can take some punishment, they don't really sell him as a superhuman creature. You He's can... still that kid. You're still thinking of him as that kid. But yeah, Halloween. Halloween's a singular experience. I just love the sense of doom in the movie. I like the actors. I love that Donald Pleasance is basically like, you know, he's your Kolchak, your investigator. He's not Snake Plissken. No. I like that your hero for la- is, is a teenager, babysitter. Well, and a possibly disturbed third. Donald Pleasant psychiatrist I love with a fa- gun. I love the fact that he might be crazy. Yeah. Intended or not, you're like, is it exposure to Michael Myers over this lifetime? It's, I lo- or is it just Donald Pleasant seems crazy in so many of his movies? You and, know? And I think, start, his eyes start wandering up and he doesn't seem like he's listening to anybody. And then he's, it looks great. Well, it's got a, the, also, he shows up in the daytime, which fucked me up as a kid, that he's roaming around out there. You know, he's not sleeping. Right, you, you see him... He's the school, the cars around. Probably the only time I ever found something with a car angle scary. Is him it, following the girls. Is this, yeah, mm-hmm. being behind things. Parents seem absolutely ineffective. Like it's, you know... Police are worthless. Police are worthless. Um, simple things like the way he gets his coveralls scared the shit out of me because that seemed to be the way people die. Yeah. Dumped. Yeah. Just a somebody dumped. I didn't find the mask stupid. There's only one thing you have to accept. This guy is different. It's not this guy's different and then a meteor falls and an alien comes out. It's not, he doesn't sell, Laurie doesn't have magic rock in her house. <laughs> no, a lot of movies make this mistake. They yeah. pile it on and I think it's like called two miracles. In some, for some, you don't have two miracles. He's a, he's a scary apocalyptic creature uh, walking around. And I found, the, I found the stripped down look that he's just in coveralls and a mask. I don't think they knew how fucking scary that was. This is what they had to do to not have... They didn't want you to see his face because they, they thought it wouldn't work, I guess. And they didn't have... They weren't going to do a makeup job because that's not what they needed. But it also works as the character. What is the character? The character's blank. It's great. It's blank. You know? I mean, it's, it, they created Michael Myers. And that's why the zombie... Uh, Rob Zombie remakes when it has to go into the minutia of what motivates not, Michael Myers that, is that, I do think that that's, a wrong, that's wrong-headed because he's... He's a force of nature almost, you know? But this people love minutia now and they love to make things more real and they love to make things more cool or badass or whatever the fuck. I don't need to know a damn thing about why necessarily Michael I don't need to I certainly didn't need a cult. Yeah. Uh that is that six? He needs to kill her. You know, for, that's all I need to know. It's you know what? It's like duel. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Dennis Weaver, they go down there. There's nobody in the dual truck. It's Michael Meyer. <laughs> how did he learn how to drive a truck? He, did, he was doing pretty good in duel. <laughs> but yeah, duel, why is that guy so mad? It's the story. I love the fact that you don't know. That's what oh. makes it scary. That's well, why it stays with you. It's not just an action thing. Trying to make a franchise or you're doing a sequel to something, there's a couple of ways of doing it. You could overly explain things that make no sense. Which, just... which allows you to also not plot. Right. It's so much easier than coming up with sequences and set pieces. You could do Alien and make it Aliens, which right. take the things that work and expand it. it no one, we didn't need an origin of the Aliens. Yeah. We didn't need an origin of the They're companies. probably doing that now. And that's what they're going to have to do with Michael Myers. Or, or you just do balls out slasher stuff and go crazy. Right. And... Or you make him superhuman. Or you put him on the moon or on a satellite. Yeah. Thank God that hasn't happened. the hood. Yeah, Leprechaun in the hood, right? Yeah. When Mac Daddy discovers a magic flute. It's all I want right here. (laughs) He becomes the richest man in hip-hop. Unhand me gold, you thieving hoods. You got more loot than Tiger Woods. (laughs) Less is more in the whole movie. And then when he gets the mask, and then when he's stalking them. Carpenter using black as a background. The scene when Loomis and the nurse drive to the uh, asylum and he's broken out. And you see. That That was the scene I think that scared me the most. You see mental patients out on the lawn. That was messed up. Okay. And they don't explain that. And I'm like, is this how they do? Is this how asylums are run? Because they're all out in the rain. And I'm like, they they look like sheep or something. Unbelievable. That actually scared me. It's a lot of its budget. Mm. We couldn't do more. 
and we knew we needed to do this and we need a, a scare here and how do we do it as cheap as possible the music I, is great the, i love the music and it ties the movie together it, it's a personal thing if you if you give me all the slasher icons all those 80s horror movie yeah. monsters michael myers wins yeah halloween is halloween holds up Halloween's great. See Halloween. If John Carpenter had only made one movie Holy. and it was Halloween, you'd, you'd think he be, was brilliant. Yeah, we'd, yeah, he made a lot of them, all the movies and a, a lot, lot of them are good. And we talked about all of them. Like the next one. Hey, Evan. Hey, Paul. It's 1976. It's the bicentennial of our lovely country, the United States of America. Are you going to sing anything from that play? Because I'm, I'm never going to fucking sing I'll anything. fucking God damn it. Assault on Precinct 13. On Saturday... Six members of the gang known as Street Thunder were ambushed by the police. On Sunday, Cholo. the warlords of Street Thunder swore a blood oath to avenge their dead. For the gang called Street Thunder, it is a day of vengeance. There's one good scene. I don't like it, and it's it's been rediscovered like multiple times. It's a rotten movie. When I was looking to watch more Carpenter, I rented Assault on Precinct 13. I watched it, and I really enjoyed it. And I watched it again, and it's not good. This is what we're dealing with in a, a lot, lot of these earlier movies, films. Yeah, I'm f- but I'm not fond of Assault on Precinct. 13. I don't appreciate it. I wouldn't sit through Assault on Precinct 13 again, except to point out what I don't like about it, which is an empty exercise. Right. There's one good scene that's a real shocking scene, and that's King, what it's, it's, and that's what everybody remembers. And, but that's it. It's an exploitation. But everybody, yeah. oh, the claustrophobia, and the, it's been done better by him. The thing about it, Assault on Precinct 13 reminds me a lot of all the people that when uh, the second Nirvana album, Nevermind, when that came out. You'd go to a club or a bar and you had to hear somebody going, well, Bleach. Have you heard Bleach? Bleach is okay. I like it. Mm. But it just felt like there was people who wanted to champion Bleach because you didn't know about it. That it was like, well, you've seen Halloween, but I've seen Assault on Precinct 13 and he was already doing this and, and these these subjects and he's, it's a John Ford movie and it's this and that and the other thing. And I think that it gained a reputation among film critics back in the day who were finding all these interesting things to say about it because that's their job is to talk about John Ford back in 1976. But I, I think that they appreciated the real Bravo elements and all these other things. I think it's a bad film. But you see where he's going. The, the way he's composing shots, the way he's the putting people together. Yes. You know, they're pro Yo, oh, Snake Plissken. They're right there. They're pro- yeah. You know, it's there. One of the problems I have with it is that I don't by the situations as they're unfolding. I just don't. I don't believe them getting out of a lot of the things. I don't find the movie believable on its own terms. The the sets are creaky. I think the acting is... The acting is is weird. Um, The characters are not fleshed out very well at all. There's not much for them to do, so there's a lot of stuff where they just have to sit there. It's got some really good atmosphere, but it's action-based. I mean, I think the mood is fine. The John Carpenter atmosphere and mood is terrific. There are several scenes that are really, really scary, where there's a sense of being surrounded. Again, nobody's coming to help you. Do we even have anything else to say about Assault on Peace and 13? I don't know why people love it. I don't see it. When people tell me they love us, And it does suffer from all the problems you say he has with action. And the action is unbelievable. His his action set piece where they were fighting that one hallway. If the action's not working in an action movie, show a bad guy firing a gun... Yeah. Cut to the to something else. Nothing happens in camera, in sequence, played out in real time. Skip it's, it. It's part of the it's part of the filmography, and I yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, did they remake that one? Yes, they did. Yeah, with Ethan Hawke. My first thought, uh, Evan. We've come to the end of our journey. Is anyone left with us, or have we lost the? I all? left. Are we the? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Jerk. You're a jerk. Are we like the final old men in this, we're, we're in this the, project? We're the old men in this room. So it's like the end of the thing. We're going to be sitting here going... Is it you? Is it you? No, I didn't like that. Did you? <laughs> I didn't like vampires. Did you like vampires? 1974. Wow, yeah. Dark Star. It is the future. Mankind has conquered the stars. He moves out to the endless interstellar reaches of the universe. Dark star. They're not lost in space. They're loose. Dark Star is a fun Dark college yeah. movie. It's goofy. I watched Dark it. Dark Star is another one where it's basically like 
the beginnings of English rock, and you know, and and, and everybody was in the Yardbirds. There's interesting people. It's him and Dan O'Bannon. Yes, I think they co-directed it, and it's and they both went on to amazing careers that apparently had a falling out. But uh, Dark Star's nuts. There's 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 cool ideas, but Dark Star is another movie where um, Dark Star was a darling of the Monster Times and fanzines that you could get your hands on. Impossible to see. You would always read about it because it was a film that you just were like tantalized by. A bunch of jerks, workaday jerks, very alien. You could see Dan O'Bannon's work on Alien to a degree in this because mm-hmm. the, the, the compression of the ship. This is the first time I remember seeing everybody was like, this is a spaceship. And they can't fucking do anything because it's actually kind of realistic. It's a shithole with no room for them to do anything. It was based between budget and they go, well, that's what spaceships look like. Yeah. Um, these guys are all crushed in with each other, suffocating, and everything's dirty and stupid. Except somehow they have an elevator that seems bigger than the entire ship. But it's it's a student film that got blown up and added to, I think. How did you see it the first time? I I saw it on cable. I feel like I saw I think it. On, I saw it on Wometco. Yeah, I feel like I saw it on like there was a point where it was on late night TV. Yeah. In the 80s or something, like midnight on like Channel 2 or Channel 5. That's how I caught Silent Running, which was another grail for me as a, as a, as a yeah. young kid. It's a fun movie, but it's it's slow. It's boring. Kind of got, it feels like, you know, a little Vonnegut, a little uh, hard science fiction ideas in there, which is interesting. And a movie where they tell me there's a bunch of guys going crazy in a spaceship. The spaceship is really small and messy. There's a little alien jumping around in there that they can't stand it's like he's like a he's like a like bird that got into the <laughs> ship and they're trying to get it they're actually up there blowing shit up to to keep it from uh interrupting space lanes or some bullshit like that they have smart bombs intelligent talking missiles that talk to them that they program and they blow stuff up and one of them has come to the idea that he's god i think and he wants to make light and blow up and it would kill all of them. And they have no... Nobody's coming to help them because it's John Carpenter. And they have to have, like, arguments with this bomb. But it's it's an ambitious yeah, student it, film but with some is, real moments. The same way you go back and watch THX... I was just going to I was gonna say THX 1138, which I've never been able to get all the way through. Right. I think you, you, you say, I like this director. Wow, what did he make? Oh, it's on Channel 13. I'll yeah. watch THX. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. I tried. I, but, I tried to, even as a kid, I tried as an adult. I, that is it. Yeah. If you're going to watch Dark Star, you should realize it is a, an expanded student film. Right. It's not yeah. yeah. It's not a real if you don't like, movie. If you don't like choppy, dull stretches yeah, of it, film. But it, it goes by. It, it's got some cool cool bits to it. I find, I find it kind of dull. I'm surprised it hasn't I, been remade. Because, I don't hate it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not exciting. But I, I find it, it's another one where I find the concept. It gets points for the concepts. It gets points for being... Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon. Right. It gets concepts for being loopy hmm. and for being made on that budget. Yeah. For being made for almost nothing. That doesn't... None of that makes it f- more fun than it is to watch. It was more fun to read about it than to finally see it. But I can sit through garbage and I like seeing films where basically, you know, they're stealing McDonald's cup holders and sticking them on walls. For some reason, I find that... Yeah. That get the gang together, make a film... Whoever's not in the movie right now is on is behind the camera, you know, bad taste. Peter Jackson's bad taste stuff like that. I just find those films are endearing for the fact that they're so excited to be doing this thing. People, you're in it, you're writing it. I like that. Well, I like that. When you watch Dark Star, you know, you watch early director stuff, and you could mm-hmm. somehow tell, you mm-hmm. could see where they're going. Do yeah, you, it's the you, embryo. Do you see it? Yeah. In this? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. Not as well, because also you've got on-the-fly filmmaking. It was made in two different times, and Dan O'Bannon had a lot to do with it. Right. So I certainly don't see it much as a Dan O'Bannon film. Yeah, the the, the cramped quarters, the suffocation. Um, but it's four guys trying to... You know what I mean? It's yeah. they These four idiots could have been in the thing. They could have been in the... Yeah. But not, not a ton. But we were talking before about how it's interesting how early filmmakers will often lose somebody that in many ways as a creative partner, not just a producer or, right. or a screenwriter. Um, Deborah Hill really seems to have had more of a collaboration than some producers or what have you from what... Right, I think if the, we spent a lot of time talking about how we hated some of his things, 
I think just shows you how much we love what we love. We paid a lot of attention to these movies. We wanted, wanted to, to like all we of them. Wanted yeah. to, we, I wanted to like all of them. If there's anything else you want to add. I, I'm sure we can find something to no, talk but, about. Um, so that's the films of that's John everything. Carpenter. Find the podcast online at tearthemapartpodcast.home.blog. Listen on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music. Follow on Twitter at tearthempodcast. Get <laughs> the cat. But it's just a, they're things. It's fucking great. They're not things. They're the thing because things is another movie right. which we talked about in episode four. Sure. Or five. It's five. Five. No, no it's four. No, is it five? We haven't done no, many of these. How it's come four. I, it's four. It's four. We'll say H numbers and I'll edit it out. One, two, three, four, five, six. We said it here. Six. Ah 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 ah. You can leave that part in. It's, it's almost comedy. <laughs> <laughs>